0: to Out on a Limb Podcast with your hosts, Will and Allison and Samantha. <clears throat> and we are here with a special, special guest today, Kimberly May. We're so excited to have her all the way from the Lexing- Lexington, Louisville, Kentucky area. Mm-hmm. And as you notice, I don't normally wear these, but I'm going to use them today because I actually have to read her bio because <laughs> it's really a powerful bio and I want to read it and not wow. mess it up. And I also don't typically have my phone. All right. So Kimberly is a wellness coaching specialist, a certified Havening Techniques practitioner, and that was developed by two people at Harvard. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. A licensed heart math provider, a functional nutritional counselor, and a Reiki master teacher with 23 years of experience working in health and wellness as both a business owner and a wellness professional in five integrative health centers. After burning out from the corporate world, she refocused on returning to the basics, growing her own food and cooking nutritionist meals, uh, learning to listen to her inner guidance. And she spent the last 23 years helping others to find balance with the lessons she's learned from her own healing journey. And we're gonna dive into that healing journey because it is fascinating. We met Kimberly uh, when we went up to Lexington in October where Will and I were presenting um, and doing a channeling at a holistic medical conference uh, with our our doctor friend up there. And we met a lot of really neat people, one of which was Kimberly. And this particular doctor is really trying to incorporate a lot of the spiritual metaphysical aspects with his patients and his clients and um, in his teaching work. And so as part of that, he invited Kimberly to talk about her NDE experience, her Dark Nights of the Soul, and it's just riveting. And we want uh, you all to learn from her experiences as well. So welcome, Kimberly.
1: Well,
2: welcome, and thank you for having me. And it's a beautiful day here in Louisville, Kentucky. The sun is shining, and i'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story today with your listeners and with you all.
3: Awesome.
0: We're grateful Bye. for that. Thank you. So let's start with. You said you went from working in fast food to actually focusing on nutrition and health and that sort of thing. Yeah. So talk to us about where was the inkling of this spiritual journey? Where were the beginnings?
2: Yeah, well, that's a wonderful question, um, and I do believe the the car accident, I think I shared with you about that, but I'll go into some detail about that. So it was a beautiful, sunny day like today. I had left uh, Unity Church <clears throat> the first time I'd ever attended there, and I was meeting uh, my sister and her husband. And it was my my husband was driving and we had just been married two months. Uh, so we were newlyweds and it was a beautiful day and we were just chatting it up. And I said, is that our turn? And right when we went to turn left, I could see a corv- a red Corvette coming uh, very, very quickly uh, at us um, and, and getting ready to hit my door, <laughs> going about 65 miles an hour. So when I saw that, I just said, God help me. And at that moment, it felt like the spirit just lifted me up uh, and took me out of the car and just started feeling all this love and joy and peace and connection and beautiful experience, um, just kept floating in that direction and wanting to keep going in that direction, feeling the connection, feeling the love. Uh, feeling, uh, bliss and, and wanting more and more and more of that. Um, but it wasn't that long that it was like, you got to go back. And I'm hovering over the car by this time we have, uh, rolled into a ravine where I'm trapped in the car, uh, the car door is to the console. So, um, I'm trapped and they can't get me out. So they're using the jaws of life. Whole time I'm hovering above watching it in a state of bliss. Um, my husband's out. Um, luckily a nurse had come along and was trying trying to help. Uh, some helpers were there. Um, so they can't, the jaws of life aren't working. So at some point they decide to cut the roof off the top of the car. Um, So I remember watching it all and thinking, I'm going to have to go back in there at some point. You know, I'm still hovering, watching the whole thing, hearing that I have to go back in there. (laughs) So at that point, they put a board under my legs and they're going to take me out through the top of the car because they'd cut the roof off. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't know I had a broken femur and had broken my arm in several places, but Anyway, they did they did get me out. Um, I met the guy years after this who had the firefighter who had helped get me out of the car. Um, and he gave me some information, but he I remember being in this state of bliss. So I'm in a helicopter going to the hospital, um, singing hymns. Um, and just feeling like this still feeling all that bliss. so I get I get to the hospital. And the story was the girl in the car died. Uh, People that saw the car, my sister was down at the river waiting for me because we were going to go out on her boat that day. And this happened very close to the boat dock. So the accident happened. The story she heard was the girl in the car died. So they thought that my husband was at the hospital. They had a priest come out to tell my family the state of our condition. And they thought he was coming out to tell them that I was dead. But I was just like ecstatic because I couldn't believe I was still alive. I couldn't believe I was back in my body, back at the hospital. And I'm just like, hey, people, I'm here. I'm I'm back. <laughs> so people would say, I'm praying for you. And I was like, I know I could feel it. I could literally feel the prayers. Um, uh, but it it really changed me and everything I believed uh from that point forward because I was like, well, we don't die and we don't die until we're supposed to die because I should have and didn't. Uh, so I'm 28, newly married. I'm in a wheelchair. Um and very interested in how am I going to heal my body because i have broken my arm in several places and my leg. And there, there were some things they were saying like you won't get full mobility back in your arm. And so I really I started delving into mind body medicine. Uh, I had trained in transcendental meditation in college and had already been using that. But uh, luckily, you know, the first I said that first day, the day of the accident, I had attended Unity Church for the first time and there were a lot of healers there. So a guy who was a Reiki master had offered to do some healing work with me. I didn't know what that was, but I said, yes, you know, I'll try it so um he was coming over to my house and doing sessions with me and uh, my orthopedic doctor said i don't know what you're doing but you're healing faster than we thought possible (laughs) (laughs) and so i tried to explain to him what i was doing he he didn't necessarily want to hear about that and i also tried to explain the whole near-death thing you know i kept trying to talk to him about that and other people as well. And they they were trying to tell me that I was just in shock and that didn't happen. And so I was really torn between, I knew what happened. I knew I was different. I knew that we were infinite spirit and there was no death. Um, but I had to, at that time I was a, a headhunter and I went trying try, really trying to go back to my job and just go back to normal, but I really couldn't. Um, because it had it had really changed everything I believed and all the things I used to do just didn't satisfy me like they had. But as by the grace of spirit, I had attended, you know, like I said, a, a place of healers and with unity. And there were a lot of classes and things that I could go to that really helped me to start getting into the healing modalities and deepening my spiritual practice. That helped me to be able to sort things out, um, and ultimately, you know, through a lot of inner reflection, being able to to see that I couldn't continue to keep what I called sell my soul uh, in the corporate world. So, I did end up, like I shared in the uh, doing corporate marketing for the fast food industry, which. Um, was fun at first, um, but it did lead me to getting uh, some health issues and adrenal issues and uh, some health problems at the time that uh, um, were a blessing because it it took me in the direction of trying to figure out how to how to even more deepen the process of how to heal the body. Um,
0: that is fascinating on so many levels so so many people their dark night of the soul are severe health issues mm -hmm. and they come in the spiritual realm from that perspective Mm -hmm. um so i'm curious was were your issues because you ate the fast food or because of the stress load and the workload from the corporate
2: yeah a really good question allison i think it was both um the stress and the food so i was eating a lot of um pizza because I was working in the pizza business and it was free. (laughs) Right, right. And of course, you know how it is in the corporate environment, you know, there's um, a lot of donuts, a lot of, uh, we had free soft drinks at work. We had, um, always had something good around that seemed good, you know, to snack on. And then of course you go out for work after work for drinks and eat appetizers, you know, whatever. So I was traveling and eating bad and uh, at the time and I was in my 30s I was I was trying to conceive and couldn't couldn't get pregnant so I was also on a lot of drugs so I was taking a lot of fertility drugs and ironically uh, all the girls around me at work were having the same issues so we were it seemed like all of us were dealing with very similar issues of um you know we were on clomid and um the stress and the food I think was a big piece of it but it was interesting to me that that we were all kind of going through this together but that is um,
0: interesting and that's a big rabbit hole to go down as to why men and women fertility has dropped there's Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm -hmm.
2: speculation there
0: (laughs) excuse me but I wonder um you know it's fascinating that you had just gone to unity so you already had this kind of built-in uh resource Mm -hmm. availability Mm -hmm. when you had your NDE and you came back in, you know, similar to the way people have um, ceremonial plant-based ceremony experiences. uh, Mm -hmm. And they come back in and they think, Oh, I want to hold on to this feeling. I want to hold on to this knowledge and learning. And they do for a little while. And then it tends to kind of fade with the rigmarole of humanity and human life. How long were you able to hang on to that experience?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, um, at first, it took all the fear away. So I remember I went um, skiing in the Ohio River, and there were like trees floating. There, there were all kinds of things in the river, and I remember thinking, "I am not afraid. I am not a body. I am free. I am eternal love. If if I hit a tree or whatever, I'm going to be just fine. You know, like nothing. I was not afraid. And so that you became went a
0: risk taker."
2: Yeah. I was like, no worries. We're here, you know, and I think we have more than one exit strategy. I think we do. We, we kind of have this contract to say, okay, I might have these three chances that I could leave the planet. And for me, that is the case. Um, Each time I asked for help and I asked to come to, to, to be saved basically. And each time I, I got the help and I, but I do think we have more than one exit strategy. But to your point, you do start to go back to sleep and fears and anxieties and things come come in. Um, so I was really struggling with a lot of that and then I uh, had a lot of losses. So I did finally conceive and and had a miscarriage. And right around that time, it was very ironic because I dreamed that I was pregnant. In the dream, I dreamed that I was going through the airport and uh, that I told them, be careful, I'm carrying precious cargo. And I woke up and I knew I was pregnant. And I took a a test and it showed that I was. And it was the very day I was supposed to go to a fertility specialist to do IVF that day was also the day of the Columbine shooting. So I never forgot that. I thought, how weird is that? So um, anyway, long story short, I conceive, I have a miscarriage, and right around that time, my father uh, passes. And I am really struggling with a lot of grief and disappointment that it didn't happen. And I decided I was going to go to California to train in heart math, to work to heal my heart and to learn this process. And yeah, so I kind of, this is all kind of a little, like I might have said something too soon. But it was right right in that time that um, my dad comes to me in a dream. Because I was thinking, I can't even leave. I was having a DNC the day I was supposed to leave for the training. And I was really upset. And he came to me in the dream, and he said that I had to go, and it was more than a dream. It was really like he was it was like a visit from him. Yeah. and he was like, "You have to go." And he encouraged me and showed me um that it was it was going to be a huge healing and um it was a beautiful dream. and so i I went to California. I cried a lot while I was there but this really cool thing happened the very first night I was there I dreamed about the baby and she showed me she was still with me and her spirit was still following me around but that night in the dream she was this sounds kind of graphic but she was in a pool of blood and Then I said to her, you're dead. And she said, I am. And and it was like her body was, but her spirit was, was still with me. So she was still following me around. So I dreamed that the first night I was there for the training. So the next day we go to training and we're doing this heart breathing and we're sending all this gratitude to ourselves. And she thanks me. And she says, thank you for letting me be with you. That it was like a whole lifetime even though it was just a short period of time, it was a whole lifetime. So somehow all that grief went out of my heart and I it, I felt that the whole situation had, had occurred for a reason and that I could see it, that she had accomplished what she came to accomplish, even though it was a short period of time and I was at peace. Uh, I came home from the conference that a lot of grief to process because there had been a lot of losses in my family. But I but I knew there was no death. So I was like spirits eternal, even though these people are going on, um, they're still with me. Hmm. Uh so the humanness of me was processing that, but the spiritual part of me knew there was no death. Yeah. Uh so I by this time I've um I'm you know I'm out of the corporate world and I'm I go to work at a wellness center, uh, the top wellness center where I wanted to work uh, in the area. And it ended up after I trained in the heart math, a lot of people who were grieving came to me to um, to help them. Mm-hmm. And so I was using that heart math process and helping them to let go of grief and sadness and um My sister and I were just three years apart. We had always planned to have our children at the same time. And ironically, we had both gotten pregnant at the same. So I conceived two to three months before her. And so when I lost the baby, she was very upset. But I told her the story and she said, well, it's hard for me to see it that way. But I'm glad that you are able to to see it that way.
0: Um, That's fascinating. Have you... Have you yeah. heard of the the book called uh, "The Soul's Plan" um, by Rob Schwartz? I think his name is Schwartz. I don't know that book. Um, and he he's worked with a bunch of mediums who brought forth a lot of information about the tragedies that we experience and why that might be. One of which is miscarriage, and of course they talk about suicide and just a whole whole bunch of things that people might go through. And that's what they talk about ah. in the book about miscarriage and. And even with abortion, uh, I think that might have been one of his chapters also, is that you've contracted with that soul to provide that experience and that soul might not be ready to live a whole life yet. They just wanted to dip their toe in the water, for example. So they come in and you blessed them with that. And so when they say it's like, or when she said it was like a a lifetime. That's really what it was for her in her experience. So that's fantastic that you shared that. Thank you.
1: And then I did a reading once for someone and I'm describing this individual and she's saying that can't be possible. And I'm describing the age and how she looks and everything. And she goes, well, that's kind of like my older daughter, but it's, she's, you're saying she's a couple of years younger. And I'm like, yes. And she's going, this doesn't make sense. And I said, well, she's been with you um, whoever this is. And she goes, Oh my gosh. And then she remembered that she had had a miss or no, was it? Yeah, it was a miscarriage, but this particular soul had been continuing their lifetime parallel with the family, like had been Mm -hmm. all the family gatherings, like hiking, like her favorite thing was when they went hiking. And, um, so it was the description of her older daughter and yet a couple of years younger. And it was just, so she was continuing that path. i thought that was really interesting that is
2: interesting
0: yeah yeah. it is really neat so okay you're only in your 30s at this point you've already had an Uh NDE. you've already had a miscarriage with a profound communication uh and by the way the heart math i i know of it through greg braden but i don't. he wasn't the founder was he
2: no uh it was doc childry uh that created the heart math techniques yeah i think Mm -hmm. Greg, greg braden uses that idea a lot yeah he does he he was studying what heals the body and he went studied with shamans and went to egypt and um and he figured out it's the field of the electromagnetic field of the heart that when we're in the heart and doing the breathing and in gratitude it's like uh we're sending out this field of love and that connects to to everything they believe the electromagnetic field of the heart. They can measure it for six to eight feet, but they believe it goes out for miles. So these shamans, when they would um, pray for rain, they took him out and they said, okay, we're we're going to give thanks in advance for the rain. We're going to act as if it's raining and live in that. And, and of course, they were using the field of the heart and it would rain. So, um, so anyway, Greg Braden was studying what He read the Dead Sea Scrolls. He did all these things. And he figured out that the HeartMath people were basically doing what he was looking for. So he teamed up with those people and gave talks with them. And yeah, so... Well, that makes
0: sense. And, you know, what Greg teaches, which is fascinating, is that your heart actually can think faster than your mind. So your heart knows the answer first. And then a split second later, your mind talks you out of it or rationalizes it or whatever. So
1: it's always to go with your heart first, right? Well, that's That's exactly yeah, where things resonate or not. Like it's just speaking to you right now right. and there. But it uh, is yeah. actually a brain.
0: Um, uh, it functions as a brain. But mm-hmm. all right. So take us on the next leg of this journey.
2: <laughs> this is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So um, let's see where we left off. I'm in the um, I'm working in the wellness center. I've trained in in heart math and helping others grieve, uh, heal their grief and, and myself included. My dad does show up a lot. Um, ironically, you know, I was still wrestling with a lot of things, and we had an author come to the wellness center that I worked at. Um, that was a, a beautiful integrative health center with a spa and a bed and breakfast. And she came from Boston. She wrote a book called Death and Letting Go. And her name was name is Ellen Tad. And she is a, a medium. And um So at this time, my grandmother has died and a couple of uncles and aunts. And here it is again, more losses. And um, I got to the point where I didn't even want to share it with people because it had been so many that it was just like, I don't know, but it was a lot. So anyway, I asked her a question about my grandmother. And she said, I don't know why you're asking. You know the answer. She said, you know the answer. Why are you asking me? And. She said, um, you came back because I really struggled with why did I come back? I, and I almost had like survivor's guilt. It was like, why am I here? It was really hard. I kept thinking it was some huge, big thing, you know, like I'm to go and so world peace, hunger, you know, make something big happen, you know. Right. right. <laughs> and she said, all you have to do, you, you know, spirit's eternal. And all you have to do is share your story. And she said, and you know that those people are with you. So that's it. Don't make, you know, it's not that big. Just share your story, Uh, which I had started to do because I had kind of shut it down in the corporate world, because like I told you, when I shared it with the doctor or shared it with people, Mm -hmm. most everyone tried to tell me it didn't really happen at that time. Now it's a little different. Um, So, I really was like, okay, I'm gonna share this with people that they won't think I'm crazy. Um, so really being able to, to get out there and share that and help people was my goal. So, you know, one thing I did a lot in the corporate world uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do was I would do that automatic writing where you ask a question and then you write with your non-dominant hand. And so I, I found, you know, I, I told you all I was working on a book um, that I called the uh, Cosmic Two by Four because it was like a two by four to the head to wake me up. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to call it that or not, but I love it. Uh, that's the working uh, title anyway. Yeah, uh-huh, that's the working title. But I wrote a lot about um, what I do now, and so I would write. I didn't really know what to call all that at that time, but. Um, I would close my eyes and I would ask spirit, what am I to do? And it was really pretty much what I'm doing now, but I didn't really know what to call it then. Um, So, you know, I I do believe that we all have the capacity through getting in our heart and getting quiet, being still to receive that guidance and those answers to guide us. I, I, I think for me now, I, do want to help people with their purpose but ultimately i believe everyone's purpose is pretty much very similar that we're here to be love Mm -hmm. and to express our joy and to see our connection to everyone and to forgive and and to be able to help others to do that um So I wrote a lot about that, even though I was in the, you know, the fast food world, didn't really know how to describe the things. But then it was this was my opportunity now in the wellness world to step up and start doing those things, you know, give Mm -hmm. talks, get out there, share things with people uh, to truly step step into that and not be afraid to share my story and not be able to to be able to share my truth. Of uh, what i what I learned from the experience. so I was able to um to train there in several things and get to practice those things,, uh, which was a big difference to go from fast food, pizza <laughs> to wellness. Um, you know, I, I remember going to conferences and dreaming. I was at a conference in Vegas for the fast food industry. And I had taken all my wellness stuff with me and I was on a candida cleanse and there's all the buffets in Vegas, you know, and I'm like not able to eat any of the food. And um, Visualizing what if I could be at a conference for wellness and I could wow. be, you know, sharing my story and living that instead. So writing and visualizing and doing the heart math and seeing that. And I would do that on a daily basis. And I would visualize myself doing those things and seeing that I would have the courage to do it. So that's, you know, it's now been 23 years of of that, making that leap. Um, that's amazing. And very, yeah.
0: And you know, it, and you can probably attest to this, but you know, we break through that fear by realizing how much support we have behind us, how much we have in the spiritual realm. Like you had your dad and you had your baby and you had your grandmother and all of these people. And there was one time when Will Mm. went to see, they were at a a conference kind of thing and, and locked eyes with this other healer. Well, when she did a reading for him, she saw this huge, at that time we had just started Reiki for vets because we're both veterans. Mm-hmm. She saw this oh, yeah. cadre of veterans behind him, like offering support. Oh, like she goes, if you could see how much help yeah. on the other side, yeah. you wouldn't be afraid. And I think that's the, that is the feeling that we bring forth when we step into the, to our power and to the truth of why we're here.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that's so you know, beautiful. with that, you know, we always felt, you know, when we started out on that path of bringing Reiki into the VA. I mean, that's essentially what we did. We started out a nonprofit so we could bring Reiki into the VA. There, it was so easy. I mean, every mm. every aspect. It didn't matter who I talked to. It didn't matter. I mean, and I'm talking from the DC level on down. Um, Washington DC. Yeah, Washington DC. At the at the at the head, the head volunteer division yeah. of the, the Veterans Administration, I had two very good contacts there. And it was nothing more than just reaching out and sending an email to them. And they they welcomed me in like I had been doing this forever. And they were my liaisons if I wanted to make a connection into another VA for someone that was interested in doing the same thing that we're doing here in Charleston. And it was just this easy flow. and it And it all comes down to knowing that we had that team behind us, that spirit team behind us. And, and right. you know. Wow, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah.
0: And that yeah. you're on your path. When right. you're on your yeah. path and you're working yeah. your mission and your purpose, manifesting, as you just said, is easy. Yeah. yeah um,
2: so so beautiful, I love that. And mm-hmm.
0: it's, yeah. it is interesting, like you said, you know, when you, I, I haven't had an NDE, but I imagine when you you're the one that survives or there's a tragedy and you're the only one that survives, you're thinking, oh my God, what pressure what am I meant to do? Why did I survive this? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> so a lot of clients come to us and they want to know what their mission and purpose is. And, you know, like Dolores Cannon used to say in her sessions of past lives, sometimes it's just potato picking. You're just a normal <laughs> average person living your life, experiencing yep. humanity and interacting with people from the heart center. That's all yes. it is, the heart center, right? It doesn't have to be that you become Nelson Mandela or
2: you're up right.
0: to hundreds of thousands of people. That's not yeah. necessarily yes.
2: what we well all said. Yeah, very well said. I believe we can be the light of the world anywhere. Yeah. Um, you can work in a bookstore or Starbucks or a gas station and you can be the light of the world and and help help others to heal if that is your intention and you're holding that. Um, for people. And, that's- and I want to talk about what you said about the exit
0: points because that is our understanding too. And I want to hear more about that from you. But uh, it is our understanding that you've written into your contract a couple of different um, exit points. And so when you are in an accident, for example, and they say it's not your time, I think there is you can make that decision Yes. Uh, as to whether you've had enough and you're done or uh-huh. whether you want to come back. Uh, I think that's accurate. What, what's your experience? Where, what else did you learn about that?
2: Um, I do believe that is the case, that we are given the choice in the matter. Um, and, I, and I've talked to a lot of people that that's happened with where they saw that they could go on, but they still had something left to complete here and chose to, to come on. Um, you know, a lot of souls are leaving the planet right now. Um, I do believe we have a contract and we came to learn certain things. And, you know, I do believe our ancestors help us with that. Like you were sharing the field of people behind you. Um, uh, I have experienced that with my grandparents, with my father, um, where, you know, they're, they're like guides. They're there. Um, we can talk to them anytime. But I think they also remind us, you know, you still have more work to do. Um, some lessons to learn. Um, prior to, um, I'm trying to remember if this was, yeah, this was before we got married, but my husband and I had another uh, near-death experience together uh, where we were swimming. We were in uh, Destin, Florida. We'd fallen asleep on the beach. Everybody had left. We should have known there had been a surfing competition that day, and they would left, but we decided to go back out and ride the waves, you know, because we're fun and it's we're in our 20s so we're out there and we had two friends that were still on the beach but all of a sudden I'm with him the next second I'm way out there so the undertow has me pulled out and I'm trying to swim back and by the time he gets to me I'm so exhausted luckily he he gets to me and he's telling me to stay calm and helping me and long story short, at some point, I become so exhausted. And the very last time I go under the water, I feel like I just want to keep going down because I'm like, I have no fight left in me. And I said, Spirit, if you've got to help me now. And I remember feeling like this giant wave just picked us up and brought us back. That's to me, that's how it felt. Uh, We were both crying by the time we got to the shore because we couldn't believe we'd gotten there. Somehow we were way out there and now we're back, you know. Mm. Now we had been swimming and trying to get back, but it felt like every time we were swimming, we weren't getting anywhere, which I think sometimes in life, that's how it feels, right? You know, you're swimming, you're doing everything right, and you're not getting anywhere. (laughs) But all we have to do is ask for help, you know, so we have... Holy Spirit, we have our gods, our ancestors, angels, all this help. And if we ask, it's available to us all the time. It's just a breath away. Like you said, it's in the heart. Our wisdom, our inner guidance is in our heart. There is a brain in the heart that matches the neurons in the big brain.
0: Mm Right. But
2: there's twice as many messages going from the heart up to the brain. So the heart's the GPS. So if we can go there, And go to gratitude and get calm, we can get our inner guidance in the moment. And then we're connected. All suffering is from the separation. You know, we separate from our inner guidance system, from Holy Spirit, from our guides, and we suffer. All we have to do is go back and connect, and we're there. And quit asking
0: for help at the last minute as we're drowning. As we're drowning,
2: literally. Yeah.
0: Learn to ask for help. You know, early on or before the journey starts, say, hey, you know, as I start on this project or as I go to this job interview or whatever it is. Yeah,
2: it's a constant. So now every day I say, Holy Spirit, show me the way to serve you greater today. Help me see things through the eyes of love. And it is amazing what happens. One morning I was doing my exercises and I was in judgment about some situation that happened, you know, as we do in the world. And I'm asking to see things differently. And I literally see on the wall, because I'm on the floor stretching, it looks like a finger pointing. And I see that. And I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm pointing the finger. Okay, Holy Spirit, help me see things differently. I see things differently. And literally, I see a heart on the ceiling. (laughs) I mean, And it was so beautiful. I asked, went from this to this. And that's it. You know, if we can drop the judgment and not separate ourselves from the divinity that we are, because we're all connected, we're all divine. Mm-hmm. And if we can see that and return to love, then, you know, we we have what we need in the moment, right? We get the guidance, we have what we need, and we know what to do. Um, so... Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. You know, it's funny. We had a client not too long ago who had a question about an interaction with another person. <clears throat> and the question was basically geared towards that other person and her higher self gently, cause they, they would never embarrass us or call us out, but showed her how it was really about her perspective. And I, we joked at the end, we were like, you're right. It always is about us. It's always us. So no matter yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Instead of pointing the finger, What do they say? You always have three pointing back at you, Mm -hmm. one pointing at the person. Mm -hmm. Um, But look at you and what it is that you're not getting, what you're not understanding, or what you're not seeing, or how can you change your perspective?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's me dreaming the dream or projecting something that I think happened that never really happened that way. Or I can dream a different dream, you know, and I can forgive and see it differently. And in that instance, I could. And I think the asking for help is the key and being open to receiving the guidance and going to gratitude um gives me the energy to be able to continue and see all the, the blessings and the gifts. You know, of course in miracles says that it's all either an act of love or a call for love. So so anyone that's being angry or out of turn is just calling for love. Mm-hmm. And, and I truly believe that if we can see, it's just a call for love, um, and return to love.
0: It really sometimes that's hard. But very hard. I work in an alternative school with youth who mm-hmm. have outrageous behaviors, and it is you can you know that it's a cry for help and love. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they're the most unlovable. They're so dif- it's so difficult to love. Mm-hmm. They're crying out the hardest, right? Yeah. Um. But I'm curious in the 23 years that you've been working with people with trauma and grief for audience members that might be suffering from some of that, what are some of the strategies that have been working well or some of the modalities that work really well?
2: Yeah. Great question. I love that. Uh, Of course I mentioned the heart math Um, being in a state of gratitude, using your breath. Um, The havening technique is, is very simple. There's a lot of free videos online. Uh, The word haven means to put in a safe place. Uh, So it is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Ron Rudin, who was a Harvard physician, looked at what caused trauma to get stuck in the brain. Then he said, okay, what can we do to release it? Um, So he, he figured out a process. It's a very simple process, but it kind of looks like this, and I'll just show it to you real quick. There's three hand uh, movements that you're using, and your first one is like the face. So you're you're just taking your hands, like washing your face. Uh, this helps to down-regulate the nervous system and put the body in a calm place. The second one goes from the top of the shoulders down to the elbow. So it's almost like a hug. You're doing this, and you can say things like calm, safe, and then the third one is the hands. Uh so it's like washing the hands. All of these things we kind of intuitively do, right? So like if you get stressed, you you know, you might do this, this, or you wring, you know, your hands. So now there's a lot more to it than that, but those simple three movements can can help you to calm the body. Um I also really like EFT, the tapping. Um, I've used that a lot with my clients, you know, where you're you know, you're tapping the meridian points uh, and, you know, kind of talking through all the feelings that even though I feel stress or anxiety, even though all this is happening, I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. So I, I think EFT is another one. That, there's a lot of free videos on that online curious, um, that EFT, you can
1: find. With the What's EFT, that? Are, you, um, are you doing it exactly as they ta- as they teach it? Or do you have your own spin on it? I've noticed more people taking a spin on it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, I tell people, I try to make everything practical and usable for people. Mm -hmm. And, And I'll say, if you can't remember anything, you can remember like the karate chop or just one of them. Then you can walk through and say, even though I feel all this anxiety, even though I feel stressed, even though I'm angry, I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. The tapping that process will help to release, um, but working through all the meridians is best. Um, that there's also one that's it's called the bilateral butterfly, where you're just tapping. So there's a lot to do with the right and left side of the brain and body. So this is one you can do also that's very calming. Um, yeah. And you I've can
3: seen it yeah.
0: done this way mm-hmm. on the shoulder. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: That's it. Yeah. We've, yeah. you know, from a, from a veteran perspective, it's been that the tapping has been utilized very significantly for, um, uh, patients with PTSD and, and a lot of that trauma. And they've, they've done a lot of studies and found that it's extremely helpful of we're, we're kind of rewiring that those pathways to get you back into a stable state so that way you can continue the healing process. So, yes. Yeah.
2: And I love that there's a lot of free videos online for all of those things, you know, um, for tapping, um, there's a lot. You can put in tapping for sleep, tapping for whatever, and there's a video for it, tapping for forgiveness, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good videos for Havening, a lot of good information out there for heart math. Um, I, I you try to, to find tools that are usable in the moment, because like you said, Will, to be able to down-regulate the nervous system, to come out of the brain where the trauma is in the amygdala, yep. uh, to calm that so that you can possibly get into your heart, into a calm place, and from that place know that that thing isn't happening. So for me, from having the car accident, even though I told you the, uh, all the fear went away, Somehow, and like at some point, I developed claustrophobia. So I had an extreme issue with claustrophobia, and it would just elevators, any closed-in space, and it was so real. And um, it was actually the havening process that helped me to finally let it go. But it had developed with bridges and anything closed, like tunnels, and wow. oh, it was debilitating. And it was really, I had that. For a really long time, up until just a couple of years ago. See, um,
1: so, I have a question about that, like, because you know, you say that, and we're like, well, you were in a car, you were trapped in a car, and I think that you know, here you have this, your spiritual side's having this very blissful experience, but I, you know, always look at the body like it's a human animal, like you know, that we inhabit. And, it's
3: recording, it's recording the trauma and storing it away. Yeah. yeah. Until a point at which it, you know, it's going to reveal itself. Feels Um, safe
1: enough to reveal itself mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Exactly.
3: Then you have to to basically remarry the two back together and, and, and through whatever technique that might be, it's you're, you're, you're making the cognitive, spiritual Mm -hmm. and and physical, um, all right. And that
0: reminds me, we had a client also who asked about a surgery an upcoming surgery. Should she do it or not? And what were the implications on the physical body and the spiritual body? And and, and there were different implications on the physical body and on the, the spiritual right. um, essence, mm-hmm. the essence, the energetic realm. Mm-hmm. And and so I think, have you heard of that book, um, "The Body Keeps the Score"? Yes. So I, I wonder. I I yeah. didn't read the whole thing, but I it's it is fantastic. The parts that I got mm-hmm. through, and people refer to that all the time. Mm-hmm. So I guess the physical body does have memory in that way that's different yeah, the from the energetic because yes. claustrophobic that was smart about the car and i'm thinking it might be past life related was oh yeah no, what I, I, I,
3: I, I instantly went to the car as well you, because you know the trapped well because... the, the way i look at it is you're observing you know you're in that blissful state observing the wreck mm-hmm. all the while your physical body is <laughs> confined and and restricted to that space so from a blissful mm-hmm. state you understand that everything is just appropriate the way it's supposed to be right. But yet the physical body is is basically now is hit record on all of the traumatic experiences that are taking place while being in that confined space, storing those away until they can later, you know. So did up. you
0: go that far to figure out why that developed or the havening did or did it well. not matter? Well, why?
2: interestingly enough, some healing did occur. So it's beautiful you're you're all bringing this up. So I do believe that that is the case. So um, the the Claustrophobia got so bad um, that I was forced to, to deal with it. So one of my mentors uh, had just flown to California or to New York to meet with these doctors because he had stage fright. And they, and he was a concert pianist. And um, anyway, long story short, he was able to get relief through the havening. So he said, I'm gonna bring these doctors here, train. Let people train in it. Would you be interested? I said, anything to get rid of this claustrophobia. Mm -hmm. So I start working with him. Now, the beautiful thing was through the process, he's helping me to release the trauma stored in the amygdala, in the body, in the cells. And I'm remembering a lot about choosing to come back. I'm remembering a lot about. So I really struggled after I came back. I would leave my body a lot. So I actually had a hard time staying in my body. And so I was coming and going and coming and going and wanting to go, even though I was still here. Um, So it was me really getting, choosing powerfully to be here, that I had a purpose. And there was a lot of healing. And I remember I cried and cried and cried so hard through this process where we're working together. And a lot of healing took place, and I think my body was just finally, like, ready to to say, "Yes, you have to be grounded in being here, and that you chose this process to learn, and that you can let this go now." Hmm. Um, wow, so it that's was- fascinating. A
0: lot of our, a lot of the people that we are in our tribe <laughs> have that relative to their galactic aspect. You know, we're all multidimensional, so it doesn't matter where we're, but but they happen to be coming at it from a galactic perspective. And when they make that connection with their galactic family and go back home in a meditation or something like that, they don't want to come back either. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to be grounded because you get back to that place of love, unconditional love, where you feel that's your family. It's where you came. Yes. from. And why did I, okay. why did I choose this life and come down here to struggle? I don't want to stay anymore, you know? So right. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of our audience members will understand that.
2: Yeah. And I was having to come to terms with that. Um, And a lot of my healing journey has been about that Um, and making peace with that and and knowing that we are infinite love and that me sharing that and sharing my story does make a difference and Mm -hmm. that we are still processing the layers of healing. Um, I can still get moments of... um, the claustrophobia is gone, but I can have other little pieces of things. So it's an amazing thing how the body, the anxiety is a gift or whatever is, is showing us that you still have a piece of this to heal.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: you know, it's uh, saying, look, pay attention to this. And so there's just another little piece to work on. And so I, I work on that. And I, I do believe as we heal, everyone heals. And so it is my body showing me um the next layer. And then I can have more compassion for those that I help and share with them, you know, exactly what's going what, what's going on for me. Um that even though I've had all that happen, it is where we do have this humanness, you know. I, I don't believe I am this body. <laughs> I am infinite spirit. I am free. Uh, I'm. I am not this. Yeah. I know that. Um, and so when you do have that glimpse of being that, and you want to stay in that, but you've got to come back in here and go be in the physical world.
0: You gotta so, go make the donuts. Right.
3: <laughs> make
2: the donuts and love. Love and gratitude help me to to keep on being able to make the donuts <laughs> Gratitude.
3: now that now that so many years have passed i mean do you still have those moments where you um find yourself in dream or meditation or whatever exiting the body you know um more easily or is, or, is it at will or is it at will or do you utilize it now in some way
2: um it can happen very easily like one morning i woke up and i was coming back from somewhere uh, i have a lot of dreams where i'm on another dimension doing healing work i'm in a hospital um during covid i actually remember going through floors in in japan and doing work i mean i had some amazing experiences where i was going in and out of areas helping the people to heal and wow. i would come back and and uh, but one morning i remember i was like i was like on the ceiling and i was looking down Coming back from this healing journey, I was working in a hospital, but it wasn't a re- regular hospital. It was a different kind of hospital. Yeah. And I remember thinking I had to get back in there because I had to get up and go to a meeting, uh, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there I am, going back in there," uh, you know, to go physically come back to what I have to do. But um, some of those experiences, when you wake up from them, you know that it wasn't a dream. You were just, I truly know we are multidimensional and we're doing all this work. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing to get to experience that, to, to know, and, and to go hang out with my dad. And, um, -hmm. you know, when he first passed, my sister said, I just want to know that he's okay. And I, I wish he would come to me and I said, well, you know he is because she believes a lot like I do. So that night, I have a dream about him. Uh, so he's on the 100th floor of an elevator. He shows me the number. He comes down to the main floor. He's handsome, healthy. He has on a button that says Forever 25. He points to the button like a little, you know, yeah, that you wear. <clears throat> and he smiles. And he gets back on and he goes back up. And so, and my dad was a jokester, you know? And so I call my sister the next day. I'm like, dad's good. He's forever 25, you know? She's like, well, why didn't he come to me? And I said, I don't know. It's a good question. I think when we're in grief, uh, it's harder energetically. But I had set things up with my dad, that lady that came and wrote the book that, um, uh." while death and letting go, the medium, I had read that book to my dad when he was uh, making his transition. And I made a pact pact with him. And I said, dad, I know there's no death. And I know that you'll be with me always. And I said, but dreams are a good place to get me and communicate with me. And I'll be there. We can communicate. And oh, my goodness, has he showed up, uh, up along with my grandparents. And But he really has guided me and been there to show me. And he got, he actually got mad at me. All my sisters on the anniversary of his death, we all went, he loved to sing karaoke. So we all went out to sing karaoke. Well, we were going to, we were going to go. So we're at a restaurant, we're getting ready to go. And everybody's crying. And they're in grief. And that night he came to me and he gave me what for? He said, you know, there's no death. You know, I was right there with you all. I wanted you to go have fun and sing karaoke. And why were you crying? (laughs) Don't cry because I'm right there. And he was like, he was getting on me. He's like, why did you
0: ask? I'm glad you brought that up because I was curious, you know, a lot of times the healing for our grief of a loved one passing is when we're ready to go see an evidential medium and that that can be so profound in helping us to understand that this person that you loved is still right there right there Experience that with your own clients have you suggested that they do that
2: yes i have um that they talk to someone that can remind them or um sometimes i've been doing reiki and just had uh i was doing reiki on someone and i heard um let me help let me help let me help mm-hmm. the whole time <clears throat> And I finally say to the girl, I'm actually crying the time it's over. I said, I don't know who this is, but somebody was helping me the whole time. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying that. And she said her mother had dementia. And she did Reiki on her mother because she was also trained in Reiki. And that that there towards the end, the one thing her mother said all the time was, let me help. Let me help. Um, So her mother was there. And she was trying to help her to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had messages come through me that didn't make sense to me while I was doing energy work that I just communicated to people. And they knew that that was that person. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think seeing a medium and someone who can send the message that that they're right there with them. not And I know our humanness, we are missing that person in the human physical form you know
3: right right.
2: but i do think they're always communicating with us absolutely oh yeah for sure absolutely they're communicating whether we can hear them
0: is is the issue and that's what we have to work on
2: yeah yeah for sure
0: what other do you have any other advice for um people that are suffering what what would you tell them
2: um to to know that they are loved that they are infinite love, um, that, you know, I I think it can be hard to think that we signed up for this stuff, but I truly do believe we did. We did. Um, and to be more kind and gentle to yourself and, you know, give yourself love, forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, don't make yourself wrong for anything that's happened, you know, forgive yourself and find ways to experience joy. Um, Find something you love to do, something that is uh, a form of Mm. self-expression. Find joy in each day. You know, look for the little miracles because they're everywhere Um, and help someone else. You know, if you're feeling down about something, you know, find a way to help help give joy to to someone else and, and know that you're not alone. We're, we're never alone. Our our ancestors, our guides spirit is all around us and helping us. And we're, we're never alone. Yeah.
3: And I know you had mentioned, uh, you know, that space of gratitude a number of times and, and, and it is such a very powerful place to be in when you, when you allow yourself to get to that point where you know, that you have ultimate gratitude for everything that's taking place in your life. I, I you know, yeah you know, for myself, it's, it's a moment where I'm just sitting on the back porch and all of a sudden it strikes me and all, it takes all my thoughts away from what I was just thinking about and, and focuses it on one specific thing. And then it expands from there. And and I just feel it right in the center of my heart. And it sounds, you know, it's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot will say, well, you know, it's like heart and gratitude and all this stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. And, but no, it is a thing. And, you know, you know, from your perspective, how do you find yourself on a daily basis, getting into that space of gratitude? I mean, that is it a, is it a, is it a phrase? Is it, is a, is a concentration? Is it something that you do? Um, because I think it's so important to find that in a daily activity and, and it really centers a day. If you can do that, I, and I'm speaking from one that doesn't do it every day, but I, when I do find myself in that moment of gratitude, I, it's so—I mean, it's so powerful and so amazing.
2: Yeah, wonderful question, Will. Um, so I do have little processes, the little reminders. Of course, you know, I've spent since uh, the early two thousands when I trained in heart math doing that. So that heart is just a breath away. And then I do little things like I wear this love necklace Mm -hmm. and my heart ring. And then I have a little bracelet that has a heart on it. So all of these things are to prompt me to remember, go to your heart, take a breath, Mm -hmm. go to gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have a lot of of things that prompt me to remember to just take a breath and go to that place. Um, But I think, you know, I have a reminder on my phone every morning that goes off. And I've been doing this for 23 years, um, but I do little things that every time I see this, like go to love, choose love over fear, mm. you know, uh, forgive, let go. Every time I touch my ring, it's like, take a breath. So any, any little prompt, um, and I have lots of them around me to constantly remind me to choose love and to let it go and to breathe and go to gratitude. And it can be as simple as like, I don't like to go to the grocery store. I don't like it. I don't know why I just don't. So I just, the whole time I'm walking through, I give thanks. I'm grateful I can come here and have legs to walk, Mm -hmm. um, that I can pay for this, Um, that I live in a country that has abundance, you know, so I just kind of keep saying thanks for all that is available Mm -hmm. and that. I believe all energy comes from spirit. And so it's like, well, why would I choose to not be in that state of gratitude to receive the energy that will guide me as I'm going through and selecting the best possible food to eat? So, you know, I went from fast food to wellness, and I truly believe that I want to choose the best nutrition and the best thoughts and the best things to put in my body that, you know, when I put all that in there. You know, Wayne Dyer used to say we're like an orange, and when we're squeezed, well, what's going to come out? You know, orange juice. But if you put some love and gratitude and good stuff in there, <laughs>
1: right.
2: uh, you know, I start each day with the breathing, and I read a uh, something in, uh, inspirational. I work with the Course of Love and Course of Miracles, and put good information in there so that when I am squeezed. Some of that good stuff can come out mm-hmm. of me, um, but it it is a choice from moment to moment to keep choosing what is going well, what uh, I have to be grateful for, that I am still here, uh, and that I have work to do. It's not that hard. It's just to be the love and the self-expression, so... You know, I used to really I started out in college as an art major and then I kind of gave up on it. And I've recently been doing this neurographic art Hmm. and it helps uh, to release um, stress and it helps the neurons in the brain to let go of um, maybe the stress of the day or whatever it is we're holding on to. So it was a Russian psychologist who came up with this neurographic art. So you're doing these simple lines as you're thinking about something that's bothering you. And then you round all the things off that aren't round. It kind of starts to look like the neurons in the brain. Um, but I I'm doing one now almost every evening. Um, and this is one here. Oh wow. But um wow. It looks it kind of looks like nothing when you start, but then um it turns into some really cool things. Um, and you're like, oh, I see. Um,
1: <coughs> wow. <laughs> so
2: what, it, what his, his premise behind it is, is it connects the subconscious with the conscious mm-hmm. brain and helps you to release things. So um I've recently been doing a lot of that and um, a lot of color and a lot of. Um, Very neat. I like that. So it's it's a way to release. Yeah. And so along with the other tools I would say look into neurographic art and there's free videos on that but it connects the subconscious to the conscious and helps you to let go of things and I cannot say enough good things about how healing it is but then you end up with a little um you know you have some pretty art um that right. you there's,
3: a, there's a great byproduct of it, right
2: <laughs> right. and it's um it's very healing. And then I remember one night I was really upset and I drew this, and it was, oh wow, um
3: oh, that's amazing
2: and it was at first, here's what happens a lot. You think this is awful. I don't know what this is. It looked like big bat wings and um. But what it was, it was like it took chaos and turned it into love. Yeah. You see how there's love over the planet and um, those giant wings and everything. But when I first did it, I thought it, you know, it was just like it didn't make any sense. But it helps you to take the chaos and turn it into order or into love. And it's its a very simple process. It's, um, you know, you can actually get trained in it, but it's a mindfulness exercise um, but that's really been helping me lately and I've decided I'm going to go, well, I went to a printer and I'm going to have some of those made into blank cards and share and, and start giving those to people that's just true. to, yeah. You know.
0: fantastic. Cause they are energetic. They yeah. hold your energy and yes. that energy. Yeah.
3: yeah. 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 And we I ran, and a, and I ran a, across somebody last year, I believe it was, we were at a holistic, um, Graph fair we were presenting uh-huh. there was another presenter that basically started the same thing she just started doodling and she calls them uh-huh. her doodles and oh my god they're way more than a doodle but she she's done the same thing she's taken her doodles and put them into a little like a little bifold card so you you know it's the cover and then you can write a little note on it and send it to somebody so and they're yeah. oh, really amazing so yeah i mean i commend you for you know being able to have that you know let's let's get that out there for people to you yeah, know for sure yeah
2: yeah and, in a way, I think self-expression is our way of connecting with the divine and bringing it into tangible form, And we can share it with each other. but we all I believe we're all artists, and yeah. we're all musicians, we're all poets. We're all gifted to share our words. And those words can help others to hang on to see how we're connected mm-hmm. and to share that. and And I, I think that self-expression, they and they say depression is lack of self-expression. So we all need a a way to express and where we can see that we're all connected in the same. We're we're all going through a lot of the same things. Mm
0: -hmm. You're right. We are all mini creator beings, just like the one creator. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just looks different for everyone. And I think when we think of art or creation, Mm -hmm. we only think of the big three, you know, like art and music and whatever, you know, the traditional drawing. Um, But there's so many ways to create whether it's even giving birth or creating a project or creating anything. And mm-hmm. so that's just one more way. I like that you brought that up. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, you certainly have a lot of neat tools in your tool belt or do you see private clients or only through your wellness center?
2: I see people at the wellness center and then online as well on
0: zoom. Okay, cool. And people can find you through inspirewellness.net, net. correct? That's correct.net. Mm-hmm. Anything, yep. any other ways to reach out if they're interested?
2: Um Inspire Wellness is on Instagram, Facebook, all all of those. Um yeah. And, Fantastic.
0: and yeah. we'll have that contact information down in the yep. description.
3: Yep.
2: Okay. Um,
0: but we thank you so much Kimberly for sharing your story, just what your guides told you to do, uh and you're honoring that and we are blessed <laughs> that you honored that here on our podcast.
2: Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you. you all for the work yeah. you're doing and for having me today and it's an honor. It was fun talking to you. And for all of you in the audience,
0: it is not too late, by the way, to sign up for the origin story, 12 week book study that will start in in 2024 to start your, Yep. yes, we have a really neat group of people (laughs) already, diverse, Uh, but there is still room. We have a lot from the U S and many from outside of the U S. So it's going to be a neat blend of people. It starts on January 7th. There is still room. Um, You can see the deets all in the description below. And until next time, have a blessed holiday season. And we'll see you after Christmas.
3: See you guys.